I heard a story about a University of New Hampshire librarian who donated his entire estate upon his death to the school. And you might at first hear that and think to yourself, well, uh, how much could that possibly be, right? How much could he have given? He probably wasn't a rich man. But surprisingly, However, this man was incredibly frugal, and his donation totaled $4 million. And here's the real kicker, though. The University of New Hampshire uh, generated criticism when it announced that $1 million of that $4 million donation was going to go towards the construction of a uh, football scoreboard. And only a thousand, uh, 100000 excuse me, would be donated to the library where that man worked for his entire life. If you're like me, that type of story can kind of get your blood boiling a little bit, right? This man loved the library, he worked there, and, and they used the money in a weird way. And similarly, we often can be uh, hesitant to give to things like charities or churches uh, because we're afraid that that hard-earned money is going to be used unwisely. Now, while I can't promise you that everything we do here at Clarksburg Baptist Church is going to be a home run, every event, every program, all that we do, I cannot promise you that. But I can promise you that this money that is given, we do not feel like this is our money. We realize that we are just stewards of God's money, and we pray, and we ask you to pray with us that we'll constantly handle these things wisely. So as you prepare to give today, I'm going to say a prayer over the money that comes both in and through our local church, and I want to pray that God would use you and use us as a church to extend his kingdom all over the world. I also want to pray that God would continue to help us as a church to be wise in our spending. Maybe this is part of the reason you haven't jumped in and taken that step of generosity yet and joined with us in being a faithful giver, but I want you to make sure you're not living in fear or worry, but rather in faith, obeying God and leaving the rest up to him. You know how to give here at Clarksburg Baptist Church. You can give here in person with our black boxes. You can give through the app or online through our uh, giving that way. And uh, we want to thank you so much for all that you've done and partnering with us in giving and being generous people. Dear Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for taking care of this church for 174 years, God, and I pray you just continue to take care of us. God, help us to be wise in how we allocate our money. God, help us to understand the importance of it. God, help us as people, God, to be uh, people that have open hands to whatever you would have us to do. Lord, we love you, and we praise you for all you're going to do, and uh, we just thank you for this week that we get to focus in on Thanksgiving. This week, God, I pray this would be a different one that launches a life of thanksgiving. And uh, we're just going to praise you for it and all uh, God's people said. Amen. I have never done that before, and I'm not sure why I did it right then. (laughs) All God's people said amen. Amen. I like it, though. Maybe we'll do it all the time. (laughs) So thanksgiving, right? How many are excited about it? Turkey, stuffing, pie, amen? Oh, I, I just can't wait. Thanksgiving is a time when we take stock of all that we have and we give thanks to God for all he has given us. So we're going to take a pause in our Colossians series. We'll pick it back up next Sunday. But we're going to talk about this idea of being people of thanksgiving. 
And it may surprise you today to learn that CBC, this church, is older than the holiday of Thanksgiving. President Lincoln signed a proclamation in 1863. This church was founded in 1848. And that proclamation said, all Americans are are to ask God to commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife. Talking about the the, uh, civil war. And to heal the wounds of the nation. So he made the fourth Uh, Thursday in November, Thanksgiving Day. Wow, while this is the official holiday, right, being launched, many would consider the first Thanksgiving to be at a harvest feast in 1621. And even if we use that date, though, it may surprise you that America is not the first country in North America to have a a Thanksgiving Day. Canada's Thanksgiving predates America's by over 40 years. In 1578, an expedition led by the English navigator Martin Frobisher held a ceremony in what is now none of it, giving thanks for the safety of their fleet. And there's even a German Thanksgiving holiday that uh, predates America's holiday as well, and it's called Erdendankfest. That's a fun name, right? Erdendankfest. But the church, although this holiday is relatively new, the church has been offering up prayers of thanksgiving from the very beginning. And I'm going to read to you an ancient prayer of thanksgiving dated to the late first century. And this is translated from Koine Greek. And it says this, we give you thanks, Holy Father, for your holy name, which you have caused to dwell in our hearts, and for the knowledge and faith and immortality that you have made known to us through Jesus, your servant. To you be the glory forever. You, almighty master, created all things for your namesake and gave food and drink to humans to enjoy so that they might give you thanks. But to us, you have given graciously spiritual food and drink and eternal life through your servant. Above all, we, thank, uh, we give thanks to you because you are mighty. To you be the glory forever. Remember your church, Lord, to deliver us from all evil and to make it perfect in your love. And from the four winds gather the church that has been sanctified into your kingdom, which you have prepared for it. For yours is the power and the glory forever. Amen. The church has been exhibiting this thankfulness and working towards being thankful people for over 2,000 years. Thankfulness and gratitude are part of the DNA of a Jesus follower. Greed, covetousness, Apathy to the hurting and the needy, jealousy and envy, those are all antithesis to the gospel. Colossians 2.6, we just read uh, last week, I think, it says this. Therefore, as you received Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught. And look at these last three words, abounding in Thanksgiving, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul's telling the church in Colossae here that being thankful is part of being a Christian. And if you have received Christ and you're letting him lead you, first you'll have a strong foundation in the faith, and then you will also abound in thanksgiving. That word abound means to have 
more than enough, to overflow with thanksgiving. And we can abound with thanksgiving because we will never run out of things to be thankful for. God's mercy is new every single morning. Now, one of the symbols of this bounty is the cornucopia right here, right? How many have ever seen one of those? And we see those, we have, might even have one decorating our table. And this cornucopia is a symbol of the never-ending bounty that we have through God. Another name for it is the horn of plenty that people call it. You might not know where it comes from, though. And here's what it is. In Greek mythology, Kronos, the father of Zeus, was chasing him, right? And so baby Zeus was running away from Kronos' father because Kronos wanted to kill him. And in his haste, baby Zeus broke off a horn from the goat that was nursing him. And that horn had the magical power to give plenty and bounty and to continue to nourish him forever. And Zeus loved this goat so much that he placed it in a constellation called Capricorn. Amen? Woo! That's some good stuff right there, right? It's a pretty weird fact, and it's also kind of strange that we have this in our houses. But I believe that this is a good symbol of bounty and plenty. Not from Zeus's goat, but from God, our Father in heaven. We have abundance, and we are overflowing with reasons of thanksgiving because God has given us so much. In chapter 136, the psalmist wants us to be thankful and to understand how long God's love and blessings will last. So much so that he, uh, right here in the Bible, says it the same way, almost exactly, three times in a row, back to back. In Psalms 136, 1, he says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. I think he's trying to nail down something for us right there, right? Give thanks because God's love lasts forever. The creator of the universe loves you. Be thankful. Say Thank you. Say, I'm grateful for you. Say, I appreciate you. If you're an old-timey cowboy, say, much obliged. (laughs) Whatever you got to do to be thankful, however you want to say it, be thankful over and over again because God's love endures forever. Thank you, Lord. But being thankful isn't the end of thanksgiving. There's a second part of that word, right? Giving. Because true gratefulness leads to generosity. We are blessed to be a blessing. We have bounty so that we can give bountifully. Proverbs 22.9 says, Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed because he shares his bread with the poor. We are blessed bountifully. And we need to share what we have 
with others. And when we give out of our bountiful blessings, God says we will be blessed. Paul gives a long dissertation in, uh, to the people in Corinth about this principle. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul says, the point is this. I like that, right? I love it when people get to the point. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Look at this next part. It says this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Right here we see that God blesses his people that give generously, not reluctantly, but cheerfully, not out of duty, but out of love. Well, how do you know when and when, uh, where to give and how to give? Ask God. Ask God with an open hand, not a clenched fist, because God has a special love for a cheerful giver because God himself is a cheerful giver. And he has given us so much to be thankful for. It says in this passage that God will give cheerful givers the resources to give even more. He will enrich you in every way to be generous in every way. And in turn, that will lead to even more thanksgiving. See, too often we, we thank God for what he's given us and God will bless us with something and then that's where it stops. But God fills us up in order for us to empty ourselves. And to give. Gratefulness leads to generosity. And generosity leads to more gratefulness. And it's a loop. Gratefulness leads to generosity. Generosity leads to more gratefulness. The church in Corinth had just given a large gift in this passage to the ministry. And Paul says, God will bless you with more. But not more to keep, more to give. Because giving produces thanksgiving. Nobody displayed this attitude of generosity better than Jesus Christ himself. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Nobody ever has given more than Jesus gave when he got off of his throne in heaven and was born of a virgin and lived a life as we do and then gave that life up on the cross. And through him bringing himself down, 
and, be, and, and wrapping his deity in flesh. We were made rich through that sacrifice. And if we really understand what Jesus gave up for us, how can we not willingly and joyfully give up for others? And that type of generosity is much more than an obligatory 10% tied to a church. It's living a life characterized by generosity outside the walls of this church. J.D. Greer says this, those people that give God a tithe so that they can get on with a self-centered life have not yet embraced the path of discipleship. I'm so glad that Jesus just didn't give 10% and then go do his own thing. We need to live a life of generosity at all times with our time, our talents, and our treasures. We need to be people that are generous. We don't give to get. We give because Jesus gave first. But see, gratitude is not just what's right. Being thankful improves your life. Research supports the idea that gratitude helps the people who practice it. Grateful people report fewer physical symptoms of illness, more optimism, greater goal attainment, decreased anxiety and depression, among other health benefits. Gratefulness is good for you. And this perhaps is why things like social media are so bad for us, right? They destroy our souls when we live a life of comparison. Well, I don't have that. Well, I don't look like that. Well, I don't uh, go all these places. And instead of being grateful, we think of all that we don't have. And it destroys our souls. But gratefulness is good for you. Gratefulness helps you. And it's not just that generosity is the next logical progression of gratefulness, that grateful people are going to be generous, but generosity is actually good for you as well. The University of Berkeley did a study in uh, 2016 that studied the reward center of our brains and found that when given the option between keeping money or giving the money away to a charitable endeavor, participants felt far more inner reward when the money went to charity than they did when they kept it themselves. And they also found something surprising, that the older the person was, the more their brains rewarded them for their generous actions. It's really strange, right? It's almost as if it's better to give than receive, right? Someone said that once, I think. Right? It's almost as if the science just proves that, right? And this is not just true, though, in your life. This is true in the life of a church as well. And this is why we do our best to model giving as a church with things like the Water Walk and World Market and Operation Christmas Child. And we could say things like, well, if we didn't do those things, we'd have more money around here to fix this place up or to get fancy things. Or maybe build a larger bank account in case something bad happens. But we truly believe that it's better for a church to give than receive. And we believe that God will take care of a church that does that and lives in that way. Someone might say that if we stop doing above and beyond offerings, that we might have a larger offering to the church, right? If we stopped giving money away and helping charitable endeavors and helping people outside the walls, we'd have more money ourselves. But I don't believe that's true. 
I believe God takes care of a giving church with an outward focus. So we're going to keep trying to be more and more generous, giving to Haiti and Cuba and the Baptist Campus Ministries at WVU, the Clarksburg Mission, the Ministries of the West Virginia Baptist Convention. Not to mention emergency things like when Haiti gets hit by a hurricane or Afghan refugees are moved out of their country and are displaced. And then simple things around here like paying the mortgage for a a church member that is in need or buying groceries for someone that's in need. And these are just things that we do this year. And our hope is to grow in this area many times over. And we'd love for you to join us in this quest of being generous, not to buy me a plane, right? But instead, to be known as the givenest church this side of the Mason-Dixon. We want to be generous because generous produces gratefulness and gratefulness produces generous. And God has done so much for us so we cannot Help ourselves, but do more for other people. And we'd love for you to start by jumping into our Above and Beyond for the month of December. Sure, you could give another gift to your child or a fruitcake to somebody that you don't even like. Or we could come together to be more generous people. So starting in December 5th, or on December 5th, we're going to launch our Christmas Above and Beyond. And my hope is that we could reach at least $3,000 for the Clarksburg Sober Living Houses. And if you don't know what that is, that is the in-between between the mission and just normal society, right? This is a, a, a stepping stone for people that have graduated out of the mission program and they're, uh, they've got jobs and they're working and they're surrounded by people that are on the same path and they're supporting each other so that we might produce uh, people that are ready to contribute to society and be Jesus followers out in the world. And that's our hope, and we hope you join us this December. Why? Because our God has blessed us so much, and we are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. And you might say, well, that means I'll have less. And that might be true, but you'll have so much more when you live a life of generosity. Gratefulness leads to generosity, and generosity leads to more gratefulness. Thankfulness and uh, gratitude are, that was a weird way to say it, gratitude, thankfulness and gratitude are part of the DNA of a Jesus follower. And I'm not sure that's true though, right? I think we can be pretty apathetic people. I think we can be complainers just as much as anybody else. And if we're not intentionally living a life of gratitude and thankfulness, we can become just as grumpy and bitter as anybody else. So the goal is to become more thankful people. Why? Because God has blessed us so much. And this week, uh, the the goal is not just to squeak out a couple hours or, or even a week of thanksgiving, but instead... Living a life that abounds and overflows with thanksgiving. Gratitude and generosity are not what, just what is right. Being thankful and generous improves your life. 
God's blessings to us are like this bountiful cornucopia that never runs dry. And we can abound and overflow with thanksgiving because God's blessings abound and overflow our lives. So I'm going to leave you with this prayer from Samuel F. Powell from 1952. It says, Oh God, when we have food, help us to remember the hungry. When we have work, help us to remember the jobless. When we have a home, help us to remember those who have no home at all. When we are without pain, help us to remember those who suffer. And remembering, help us to destroy our complacency, bestir our compassions, and be concerned enough to help, by word and deed, those who cry out for what we take for granted. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Take a time of stopping and pausing. Allow God to speak to your heart right now. What is stopping you from abounding in thanksgiving? Is it envy? Is it jealousy? Is it covetousness? Is there something that you think you deserve that you don't have that's just planted a seed of ungratefulness in your heart? Let's dig up those roots. And realize, like these children just taught us, that we have so much to be thankful for. Every head still bowed, eyes still closed. As those of us that are Jesus followers are searching our heart. Maybe you're here today and you don't know for sure that you are yet a Jesus follower. You haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only means of your salvation. You haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. See, we have a problem, and it's called sin. Every one of us. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Way back at the beginning of time, sin broke our relationship with God. God is a perfect and a holy God. And he cannot fellowship with sin. And sin hurts the people around us as well. But God always had a plan to bring his people back to him. And it was by Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, an equal part of the Trinity, stepping out of heaven and being born of a virgin, walking this earth for 33 years, living a perfect and a holy life, never once sinning, being unjustly crucified on a cross. And the Bible says he became sin who knew no sin so that we could be called the sons of God. Romans 5.8 says that God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus in our place. That's the gospel. 
Jesus Christ took all our sin, all the sin of man throughout all of time, and an innocent person died for all of us guilty people. And that's the gospel. Jesus in my place. The Bible says you don't have to work to have a relationship with God. You don't have to do good deeds to earn God's love. But you simply have to accept the gift of Jesus Christ taking all your sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You could call out to God right now with something like this. The words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. You can add them, change them, but it's about what's going on in your heart. You could call out to God with something like this right now. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, please forgive me turning from my sin and I'm turning to you put my faith in what you did on the cross to save me in your name I pray that's you today that's amazing that's awesome there's nothing better than that if you made that choice and you were sincere with God I'd love you to write that down on your connection card I chose Jesus today before you turn it in Because I'd love to be able to follow up with you and talk to you about that big decision you just made and tell you what's next. Our God has been so good to us. Dear Jesus, as we take uh, our way out of this room and go out into the community, God, I pray that you would help us to be the picture of what it means to abound in thanksgiving. Help us to be grateful. Forgive us for our apathy and our complacency. Forgive us for overlooking the blessings that you've given us, God. Forgive us for the times where we feel like we don't have enough, God. You have given us so much. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.